Hello, you wonderful humans, and welcome to episode seven of the Embers Collective podcast. Today, we have a very special one in store. Myself and Tim are currently in Fort Kochi in Kerala in India. And we're here with Shrikanth on tabla, Anwar on harmonium, Brasad on flute, and Tim Karp on guitar. The story I will be telling is adapted from a book called The Indian Epics Retold by R.K. Narayan. We hope you enjoy. Take it away. Suki Dwaja was a young prince who for much of his early life had little interest in the charms or pursuits of women. Nevertheless, at the age of 18, his father noticed that he had become interested in the mating calls of birds, and so he decided that it was time to arrange for him to be married to a princess named Raudi. When the king saw that they were happy in each other's company, he transferred his rule to his son and disappeared into the forest. The new king and his wife Raudi were both full of youth. Accomplished and attractive, they spent their days listening to music, talking about life, philosophy, the universe, visiting waterfalls and rivers, walking and talking under the sun, moon and stars. They grew closer and closer, getting wrapped up in endless lovemaking and in a constant search for further enjoyment and pleasure. But they soon grew tired of constantly seeking external enjoyment. They found that they were dissatisfied with life and decided to try something different. How long, they asked, can we go on enjoying and enjoying? This is all a manifestation of youth, but youth ebbs away every second. So Rudy spent her time in study, inquiring into the nature of the self. She soon progressed to a life of illumination and self-knowledge. A great serenity came over her and a new light shone from her face. Her husband asked, what is this new radiance I see? Are you no longer my wife? And she began to explain to him about how she had discovered her inner self, that it is the same that shines from the sun and the moon and every creature on earth. The joy I feel when I see a cloud is the same joy that exists within the cloud itself. But she stopped when she saw her husband wasn't following her, and she realized that his pursuit of self-illumination had not been as successful as hers.
Nevertheless, he remained a good and just king, but his underdeveloped spirit made Raudi sad. She continued as his wife, but secretly despaired at his crassness. I see a new look in you, he said one day, and hope rose up in her as she thought perhaps that this was it, that he had become perceptive. Until he added, are you using some new makeup? Have you done something with your hair? The king began to grow restless and unhappy. He sought comfort in listening to readings of the scriptures. He gathered learned men around him to discuss philosophy. He ordered elaborate rituals and sacrificial feasts and chanting of sacred verse. But when all the priests and noblemen were gone, he was back in his solitude, fumbling for security. His wife tolerated this nonsense silently and prayed for the dawn of wisdom in him. One day, he told his wife that he would be leaving to meditate, giving up all of his possessions and heading into the forest. She tried to dissuade him, reminding him of his duties as king and reminding him that whether here or in the forest, it was his own mind he needed to contend with. But one morning she woke up and his half of the bed was empty. He was gone. In the king's absence, Rudy ruled the kingdom and through her subtle perceptions, she could follow him as he wandered in far off forests and mountains. She watched him and felt saddened by his plight, but she realized that he must go through this spiritual exploration his own way, but she could also help. See, Raudi had mastered the art of assuming any form she wished, and so she took the form of a young man and appeared before her husband. Who are you? he asked. My name is Kumba, and I have practiced many spiritual lessons under the greatest masters. I understand your problem, but you are struggling because you have no guru. Where can I find a guru? asked the king. Here, standing in front of you, replied Kumba. I will help you as long as you promise to follow my advice. The king immediately took Kumba on as his philosopher friend and guide. And Kumba explained to the king that denouncing external possessions alone would not help. One had to also create perfect detachment, which led to a well-poised mind, unaffected by opposites such as good and evil, pain and pleasure, loss and gain. And when one stopped identifying one's inner soul with outside impacts, one found composure, self-control and calmness. Now and then, Kumba left the king on the pretext of having to go on some spiritual errand. Once on return, she found her husband in a state of trance, a samadhi. His body was emaciated. He must have been in this state for days. She knew this state would lead to an inner ripening just as a seed hardens within a shriveling, drying fruit. But she felt harrowed by the spectacle. First, she tried to wake him by shaking him, but it was like shaking hard wood and he would not awaken. And so she returned to the capital and came back a few days later and found him still in Samadhi. This time, she created a Sima Nada, a subtle breath that formed a roar like a lion's. It reached to the skies and reverberated through the forests, frightening wild animals into a stampede. 
The king's samadhi, however, remained undisturbed. Raudi was pleased. Her husband had reached a deep stage of meditation, but she knew if she did not wake him, he would die of starvation. And she tried one last remedy. She left her own body and stepped into his mind and began to wake him up gently from the inside. Little by little, he began to open his eyes. And Raudi returned to her own body and took on the form of Kumba, who sat a distance away and sang a Sama tune that soothed and pleased the king as he returned to the mundane world. You were in deep meditation, spoke Kumba. I am pleased with your development. Do you feel confident that you will no longer be affected by Kama, Kroda and Moha, by lust, anger and attachment? Yes, said Sikh Dwaja. I am above all passions and have complete confidence in myself. I feel my soul pervading the entire universe, and I find myself in a constant state of bliss. You have nothing to fear anymore, said Kumba. Let us travel and see the world. And so they did. They visited different countries, forests, mountains and deserts, and when they found themselves in a secluded, romantic surrounding, Raudi felt an overwhelming love for her husband, and desired his company as a woman but she could not reveal herself yet. First, the king's learning must be tested. took leave of the king on some spiritual pretext and returned two days later with a sad face. Something has happened, said the king. May I know what it is? A terrible thing has happened, Kumba replied. While I was returning, I met the sage Durvasa. He was wearing rather flashy robes and I could not help cracking a joke. I said, dressed like that, you are like a damsel in search of her lover. But I should not have joked with a person like Durvasa. His eyes blazed in anger and he cast a spell on me, so that at sunset I will transform into a damsel, and at daybreak return to the form of a man, and so it will be for the rest of my life. The king, explain calmly that nothing is lost by this curse. I will always treat you as my guru and friend. And he continued to elaborate on a philosophy of acceptance. And sure enough, that evening, Kumba transformed into a very beautiful woman 
named Madanika, and the king was unperturbed. Even when Madanika asked to marry the king right there and then, the king agreed, for it seemed to him all the same whatever he did. And so that night they were married, and the following nights enjoyed the utmost bliss. The king, though responsive, remained untouched by the experience. Never did he force anything, nor denied her nothing. He had come through the first test successfully, as he now made no distinction between yielding and resisting. Both to him were immaterial, since they happened outside of him. And now to test him a second time. This was to see if he would give in to pleasure and enjoyment. Through magical powers, she created an Indra to tempt Siki Dwaja. While he was meditating, the Indra stood before him. You have achieved great spiritual awareness, King. Why not come to my world, where every kind of pleasure and delight will be yours? My world is known for its beauty, its surroundings, and the beauty of the men and women, the food, the drink, the lovemaking. There is nothing in my world that is not perfect and unique. Come, do not torment yourself anymore, King. The King looked at the Indra with amusement. Why does one have to go so far to seek happiness? It seems that all one needs is where one is. There is no need to go in search of anything. It would be like going in search of my own heart or lungs. And the Indra disappeared. Raudi was proud. Her husband had passed his second test. And now for the third and final test. This was whether he had mastered Krodha or anger and jealousy. And while he was out at the river one day at evening prayers, as dusk began to set, he returned and found Madanika in the embrace of a lover. The king came in, saw them and passed by without wasting any attention on them. She took her own time to free herself from the lover's embrace and then came to the king apologizing and providing reasoning. But the king told her that she did not have to beg for forgiveness. She had followed her inclination, which she alone was responsible for. I have no voice in it, he told her. Perhaps it is no longer necessary for us to be husband and wife. But as Kumba or Madanika, you will always be dear to my heart. At this moment, Raudi returned to her true form in front of the very confused king. She explained the whole thing to him, at which point the king burst out, man's truest guru is his wife. The king had been tried in every way and attained rightness and maturity. He was now a Jivan Mukta. And while the king wanted to renounce the world and go live the rest of his days in a cave, his wife convinced him that he must return to his duties as king. And so, a second coronation was held celebrating the rediscovery of the king and queen. And it is recorded that Siki Dwaja and Raudi ruled for 10,000 years.
Hello there, everyone. Um, thank you so much for listening to episode seven. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we're doing the little chat bit that we normally do at the end of our podcast a little bit after we have done uh, the recording. Tim and I are currently sitting on a train about to leave for Goa from Ernakulam uh, Junction in Kochi in Kerala. Um, but when we finished the recording with the guys, uh, everyone was quite tired and we just thought it would be best to, to leave the little chat um, until afterwards. But it was pretty great um, getting to getting to record a podcast with an Indian story with some great Indian musicians. Um, how did you find it, Tim, from a, a music perspective first? Hello, everybody. Uh, sorry about the sound. It's um, handheld recorder inside a train luckily there's no one else in the carriage with us but maybe they'll come in soon um, yeah, the music was really crazy um, so we were in Fort Kochi uh, an ultimate day there before travelling to Goa and we were walking around Jewtown yes it's called Jewtown and uh, looking for Jewish cemetery and walked down the street twice and then the third time ready to give up and go home this man said hey we're doing a show come in and watch and so obviously he said yes and came in and there was no one else in there so we went and sat down and there was a tabla player harmonium and bansuri which is an Indian flute and I said you know I introduced myself and said I was a musician and thanks for inviting us and in there just after their second or third piece a guy walked in and had a guitar and was like hey join in (laughs) like okay Uh, never really played Indian music before only a couple of times with with some friends but I you know took the opportunity joined in with them and kind of jumped on the scales they were playing the darkers they were playing and it was really nice and they were very sweet and invited us to come back the next day and while we uh, were walking around after the gig we thought hey why don't we do a story with them do a podcast what a great opportunity so today we went back at about 11 in the morning and spoke to Shrikat and said are you guys up for this he's like yeah sounds great so we spent the afternoon practicing and did a couple of takes and second take we did we were like yeah that was great and uh yeah for me musically that they were so into it they you know their english wasn't perfect it was pretty pretty damn good but it wasn't perfect and they were asking you know what's the mood of this what's the mood of this scene how do we you know, and then they really thought about what what scale they should be playing, what what rhythm they should be playing, um, and so we kind of went through five different ragas, which is the the word for the Indian scales slash melodies, um, and it was I learned I learned so much today, and I barely played in the recording, and it was great because I just learned stuff from those guys, and they were really beautiful musicians. Yeah, I hope, hope it sounds nice for you guys out there in Radio Land. <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty... I felt today was one of those days where you, you just kind of pinch yourself and 
feeling like like it's quite unreal or surreal um, <clears throat> because coming here we'd hoped to be able to have the opportunity to do a podcast where we get to tell a story and, and do it with some, some musicians and it, it came about completely accidentally and by coincidence without any real pushing or any, any real effort um, and even even discovering the story was quite happened at just the right time where um, Tim and I were walking around um, Matt and Cherry area and I had said before that I wanted to pop into a bookshop and try to find one with uh, some uh, Indian and Hindu mythology and walked into this bookshop and asked the guy if he had any books and he did he had four amazing books on Indian Hindu mythology and the the big book um, is just a great collection um, of, of stories and Tim actually flicked through it first and, and found these three stories and then sort of retold them to me as we were walking uh, to find something to eat and one of them really stood out in lots of ways um, and there were just certain elements within the story that kind of have been stuff that that have that resonated a lot with with reflections that I've had throughout the throughout the year um, you know sort of that feeling of not resisting against things and not yielding but just going with the flow of things and accepting things as they are um, the feeling of external moods and events dictating not dictating your mood and, and finding that sort of inner strength and that inner um, uh, confidence um, and the interesting one of overcoming anger and jealousy um, and then overcoming the lure of pleasure and enjoyment in the second test that the king faced, which I personally think I would probably have failed at. Um, but overall, the story is a really great, really great story. There's so much in it. There's so many different things to really dig your teeth into and really feel into. And, and we kind of, I spent the morning while Tim was rehearsing with the guys writing out the story and thinking about it. Um, but I'm also very much looking forward to, to playing it. To, to performing it live in an Embers context um, and working on it a bit more because I feel like there's a lot a lot there. Um, today was very much like a, a live, like rehearsed it a few times, did the takes, and, and it was great. Um, but I feel like there's a lot more in that story. I don't know. What, what do you think? Yeah, well, the, the interesting, for me, interesting thing for me was that, that it's, it's one of the first um, Hindu stories or Indian stories that we've done and I can just like feel the absolute difference between it and the rest of the stuff that we've done before. I feel like everything we've done before has been very kind of uh, visceral and very, this is the story, this is the guy, he's doing this or she's doing this, blah, 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 the conflict, ah, the resolution, ah. And, and there is and there is set up conflict resolution in this, as, a, as Blind Boy would say. But... Um, just has so many meanings so many beautiful sentiments and s simple things but things that you wouldn't have thought of as well and, and it's so old that mm. it just makes you go wow yeah people have, people have been smart for a long time <laughs> and also people have been stupid for a long time uh, similarly so yeah I, I, I loved it it was such a nice experience today yeah, it was a really it was a really great end to our time in Kerala. Um, we spent kind of about ten or eleven days, and we spent a lot of time in Fort Kochi, and we also headed up into Munnar and Chinar National Park. Um, and it's our first place in India we visited, the first place we arrived to, and it was it was an incredible baptism into India. Um, 
people were incredibly welcoming, friendly. The place was so colourful, so beautiful. The mountains just beautiful and lush and green. And and to be able to come away with this really uh, beautiful documentation of that um, is is kind of yeah it feels really great and I'm both sad to be leaving and also happy and excited to where we're heading to next and sort of what lies ahead um, but yeah it was, it was great to be able to do it yeah so we're uh, heading now on the way to Goa and not entirely sure where we're going to Goa when we get there <laughs> but uh, we'll let you know uh, hopefully we'll have another podcast for you in a couple of weeks um, so yeah this has been Tim and Lonan in India with some amazing um, Carolyn musicians as well that we were very lucky to have with us um, their names should be at the bottom of the page um, if not then we have royally fucked it <laughs> but we do have their names it's all good do you want to just repeat their names? yeah we had uh, Shrikanth on tabla Anwar on harmonium and uh, vocals and Brasad on flute um, and we'll probably be in Goa by the time you've listened to this by the time we get it out but um, as always check out our events page because Sarah Lisa and Sammy Ricks are uh, keeping things going back in London and they have loads of great events including two shows at Vols Festival so make sure to check out our events page on Facebook as always um, and we're sending lots of love from India thank you very much bye